Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Lifting the Veil podcast with your host, myself, Adrian Lopez, the Integrative Healing Coach. Thank you for joining me for soul healing conversations, guests, and topics that support you in unveiling the true nature of your consciousness so you can embrace your destiny, not suffer your fate. If you hear something today that resonates with you, please don't forget to like, share, comment, and or subscribe as it supports the growth and reach of this podcast by increasing its listenership, making this whole endeavor possible. In the meantime, please sit back and relax and get ready for this week's episode where I share the inspiration for the title and topic of this weekly podcast, Lifting the Veil, taking a deep dive into the role of what I'm calling the antidote to ignorance. started today is by giving you a formal definition of what was the main inspiration, not the only one, for the title of my podcast. And it has a yogic foundation, as in yogic texts, what is called avidya, which is a Sanskrit word which literal literal meaning is ignorance. And this ignorance veils our true self and the truth of the world. As a famous guru, Adi Shankara describes, he says, it is not the a lack of irradiation. It is ignorance about the nature of being itself or sat. It is a limitation that is natural to human sensory or the intellectual apparatus. And it can also be described as a misconception, misunderstanding, or incorrect knowledge. And in Buddhism, this is referred to or related to as impermanence of anatta or the not self aspect of reality. And in Buddhism, um, the idea that anything that can change by definition cannot be a true uh, aspect of self because self is unchangeable at its very nature. And the idea that we believe that the changing conditions are ourself is the foundation of suffering. And in Christianity, this concept has been reduced to Satan or duality. But no matter what you call it, this condition, this misconception, veils the true nature of ourself, leaving us to believe that who we are is a title, a name, a role, which restricts our sense of self and then diminishes our perception of the world and our place in it, whether that's accurate or not. So, in other words, ancient wisdom traditions 
before they were appropriated by the control of religious institutions, attempted to communicate these universal truths through the code of metaphor. And that's why I love metaphor so much. It's such a powerful tool to educate and to reveal um, all the aspects of our humanity. And to see that the mind is easily deceived or programmed to separate from itself so that it's stuck and it's only operating in a certain frequency which produces a certain level of consciousness that keeps us from tuning into any other channels of perception. And this is what exactly what intuitives like myself, empaths, psychics, and channels have learned to do. They've learned to surf the dial of consciousness that goes beyond the bandwidth of what is available through the mind, um, so to speak. So with that um, little introduction to the idea of avidya and its reference to the human condition as we believe we are one thing when we're actually that and more um, and how that affects our ability to operate in the world to connect with others to fully live and to love and that's really what inspired this podcast and what I'm going to share with you today in regards to my own experience and while I've been in the awakening process most of my life, I don't want to bore you with all the details. I'm just going to be sharing a couple key highlights along my journey in hopes that it might shed some light or illuminate your path along the way. So if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this podcast on Spotify, you might be able to locate the thumbnail for this podcast, which is a picture of a sunset that I took in October of 2019. And now that it is October of 2023, the memory popped up on my timeline in the last week. And this picture was taken when I was walking along a path near my house in the East Bay of California when I used to live there. And as I looked at this photo, I'm sure you've had a similar experience. I was immediately catapulted right back to that moment when I was walking along that very path. And the tumultuous experience and upset I was having in my life. You see, I knew that there was an upheaval stirring. I just didn't know what it was going to look like. I knew it was coming. And I was preparing myself. And I was also feeling quite torn. I'd just come back after five months of traveling 
and I was still, at least part of me was, still dripping with the magic of my travels, the incredible time I had traveling through Portugal and northern Spain, two places I had not visited before, and then a two-month residency in France at the Rudaya Yoga Ashram, and then a delightful month-long silent retreat in Guatemala on Lake Atalan. And I had returned home to an empty house, and I was feeling this nudge, this push that I've been trying to ignore that was gently letting me know I would not be, be staying home for long. I needed to move into a different flow of life. And I was slowly transitioning from a certain way of living and being in the world. After leaving the, my work and education after 17 years, I began a whole new way of experiencing and expressing myself. And it's still unfolding, this process, after three years of making, quote unquote, the cut. And it's been challenging and simultaneously wonder-filled. During this time, I traveled to so many beautiful places, energized by different countries and culture and their people. I walked on the land and I swam in oceans I'd never met before, as old as time. I sang, I danced, I whispered sacred chants and held rituals by the fireside, honoring the mystery of this one beautiful life. I retreated at the edge of an ancient lake to remember how to hold my own mind and heart with the reverence they deserve. The land and the oceans and taking this time to wander the earth visiting places I had dreamed about allowed me to remember all the pieces of myself that I had forgotten or never even knew were there. It was a literal awakening of parts of myself that I was just getting to know. And really what it was is a time of a setting of the stage of what was to come. First, there was more travel, a greater moving out in my life that led me to India, back to Guatemala, and finally to Costa Rica before the collective dark night of the soul hit. And just as I was halfway into my year-long planned world tour, the storm of the inner suffering of the world became tangible in the form of a virus named after a crown. Well, on the surface, it was framed as a global health crisis. Underneath, to me, it marked a much deeper disease. The loss of our sovereignty, perhaps the sinking realization that we had given it up 
a long time ago and the grief that inevitably arises when one sees that we've all unknowingly agreed to acquiescing in the face of fear with the promise that giving up our power would keep us safe. It was all in the fine print of the user agreement, if you looked closely. But I hate to ruffle any feathers. But no one can stop the flood of awakening that is now arising on the planet, which becomes clearer with each coming catastrophe that arises. The current one that has hit the core of the most wounded part of our humanity. The victim-perpetrator dynamic that can never be transcended through retaliation, war, revenge, exploitation, possession, and all of its expressions. And still, some are trying to justify the murder of others. Something about the ends justify the means without taking the time to address the pain in their own heart. But why is this so difficult and so painful for so many? So much so that this delicate sore spot must be defended and protected at all costs. We've been programmed to look out there, outside for a culprit. There must be someone to blame for all of this, right? I think it's important, though, to question what has produced such a delicate, sensitive condition that it is in need of so much defense on both the individual and collective level. Is it a coincidence that the current U.S. defense budget has reached $1.8 trillion just this year? If that is an overkill, I don't know what is, pun intended. And just as the character of Mr. Kurtz in Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness and his famous last lines, the horror, the horror, in response to his own brutality that he acted out through the vehicle of European colonialism and the consequent exploitation of the African people that was justified through racial and cultural superiority. And my friends, as you know, this is just one of the countless examples in our long history that people tend to overlook when they talk about history, leaving certain details out, perhaps without realizing that just because we overlook something doesn't mean that it doesn't still exist. It's still alive in the land and the people, often expressed in disassociated or confusing manner as animosity and hatred for those that appear different than us. 
so that the victim begins to mimic the behavior of the perpetrator. So without lifting this veil of awareness, what hope do we have to understand that the intellect left to its own devices will fail to see the entirety of the picture and that every time we fail to take responsibility for our own behavior, it has a consequence. And that's just the way it is. This is the natural law. Some call it sin, some call it karma. What it really is, is avidya, the ignorance that misdirects life force. The mind believing its own creation is reality. When it is a distorted version based on the ego's fear and insecurity. Because the truth is, is that we're all co-creators of this world. And we let others' conditions or events determine our experience. We surrender our seat at the throne of our own inner sovereignty. And yet, can the antidote be hidden in plain sight? Can there actually be an antidote to such a madness? You may be asking yourself this right now. This is the argument that there's always been war, there will always be war. And maybe it's much more simpler than that. There's a great scene in the movie Free Guy, if you've seen it, where the programmer of the video game finds his stolen source code hidden inside of the game. More specifically, it's hidden in the reflection of a window blind, a place so minute that everyone sees it, but nobody notices that it's there. Have you seen the film yet? It's like there are two different realms in this world with two different sets of rules governing how we get to play. As you begin to more carefully examine the playing field and the players, you might start to notice that the world we are experiencing now is a product of a disconnect and a denial of the full spectrum of our human nature. Was it an accident? Was it on purpose? Does it matter? For instance, our lived experience is irrefutably a direct product of a living force that animates the body. Whether you want to call this energy or soul, it produces what has been measured as a biofield electromagnetic energy that is experiencing reality as a 3D hologram through our own senses. Current neuroscience has proven that our senses only decode 
about 1% of all the frequency of information in the light waves. And yet, it's like someone has stolen or hidden our ability to access the source code of living any other way outside of this small band of information where most of us can't physically sense but we feel what's going on if we allow ourselves to trust it. Like the old saying goes, out of sight, out of mind. But is it ever out of body? In reality, just because the energetic part of us is, or what I'm referring to as soul here, transcends our physical senses and what they can capture doesn't mean that this realm is not powerfully in, informing and affecting our lives and perhaps might be the primary field that is affecting our lives and not what we've been led to believe to be the physical after all. It's not such a far-fetched thing when we think about the recent discoveries and findings of quantum physics that says everything in this world is actually 99.9% empty space. And if we took all the people and all their atoms, they would fill one tiny sugar cube. scene in the movie that I just shared with you about the hidden source code that was right in front of everybody's eyes represents the fundamental distortion, the blind spot that has affected our perception and our ability to see what is truly there. This is what hurts to be living in a world with only partial knowledge of our own power and potential and not even know it. The outside world is our mirror. So when we surrender our instincts, our emotions, or our will to another with the promise of harmony, however tempting or seemingly harmless it may appear on the surface, we are no longer in possession of our own state. And how is this idea, this condition affecting our consciousness bit by bit where we allow ourselves to become separated from ourselves a crack in our own consciousness with the consequence or loophole hidden in the fine print as one of my mentors says the devil can't take your soul but he can deceive you into unknowingly giving it away it's all in the fine print, in the details that few bother reading. This is what happens in The Handless Maiden when the Miller character, Consciousness, makes a poor deal with the devil. 
unknowingly giving his daughter away his soul for the promise of comfort and riches. He is too distracted by his own fear and suffering to read the fine print, to ask questions, to inquire within. Once you begin to tap in to this story that is as old as time, you can't unsee what you've seen. I know as a super stubborn person myself, I was hell-bent on believing everyone in this life had my best interest in mind, which was a symptom of a wounded feeling function or instinct represented by the feminine nature of our psyche and the unconscious agreement that made it almost impossible for me to not only detect danger accurately, but to give myself permission to run away from it. I had been conditioned to place my authority outside of myself until it was unrecognizable, even to me. It's like the story of Little Red Riding Hood, where the wolf is dressed up as her grandmother and is standing right in front of her, but she wasn't able to see it, let alone run away. I hated making people uncomfortable, so I served myself up on a platter again and again, never realizing that it was all up to me. But how does this occur, this level of short circuit, this misidentification at the core of our humanity even happen? Well, I can say that it is an incremental conditioning process, a desensitizing that allows us to slowly learn to distrust and devalue our own instinct and knowing, something that we will be digging into in the eight-week journey through the Handless Maiden starting November the 9th. I'll put the registration link in the description of this week's podcast if you're interested in joining me. But to wrap up, I just want to say that my awakening process has taken longer than I would have liked, longer than my ego would have liked. Well, I also understand it's always unfolding. And I also understand that this process was never about my mind or my ego, but involved a deep tilling of the soil of my own soul that would ultimately manifest outward in the field of my life. Soon after that photo in the thumbnail of this podcast was taken October of 2019 I made the decision to walk away from all forms and expressions that I had become so familiar with but were offending my spirit we've all been made to believe that part of this life requires us to offend our own life force 
and this perhaps is the biggest distortion but maybe it's the only way that we're able to learn its value life doesn't demand us to hurt ourselves or to go against our own nature we do that to ourselves as a way to belong in a world that already exists when we show up and now that we know or once we know it's our responsibility to start making the changes that we wish to see in the world as Gandhi said I begun by moving away from ways of being work relationship that kept me rejecting the deep call to trust my own higher knowing. I faced questions and judgments and doubts and scrutiny from the outside and from the inside, but I kept walking into the wilderness anyway. My wish for you is that we all lift the veil of ignorance from our own eyes so that we may see the light of truth sending you all Sawan blessings for this fall season and in the meantime please remember what a valuable treasure you are until next time bye for now <laughs>